This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. It is Monday, October 16th. It's not a great Monday, I gotta be honest with you. And now, listen, we're bullied by the fact that the Phillies start the uh, NLCS tonight at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll give you a preview on that a little later. This, of course, uh, podcast is uh, brought to us by Bet Rivers. But let's get into what we need to talk about right now. And that was uh, yesterday's 20 to 14 loss to the New York stinking Jets. Now, just for, for uh, a little bit of perspective here, I do a postgame show at Ocean Casino following the game and uh, we sat there on the set and we had to withstand the exhilaration of Jets fans who had come down to the casino to watch the game at their lovely sports book down there. Jets fans are exalting after beating the Eagles 20 to 14. So now the Eagles are no longer undefeated. Now let's, let's diagnose this whole game and, and, and get into the, the hows and whys about it. And so let's, let's, uh, I don't want to bury the lead here. And the lead is that they lost the game because Jalen Hurts made a dreadful mistake that was unbecoming of a man of his talents, a guy who was an MVP candidate last year. And uh, I, I, here's what I want to dispel. This notion that, well, you can't expect to win a game when you turn the ball over four times. Sometimes you can expect to win a game when you turn the ball over only three times because that was the case with the Eagles. With three turnovers to none for the Jets, they still should have won the game were it not for the fourth turnover. So if the fourth turnover doesn't happen, do we have the same argument? Well, you won a game with three turnovers. You know, I can't expect to win a game with three turnovers. Well, I expected them to win a game with three turnovers. What I did not expect was the fourth turnover. So, so let's let's look at the, the situation here. Um, it was the direct cause and effect for them losing the game, which means the quarterback has to get the blame. And I know people j- love Jalen Hurts in this town, I, and I love we that the fact that we are loath to criticize him. But criticism, <laughs> when it's deserved has to be put out there. And you can't say, uh, well, he's played so great for us that we can allow uh, for him to make a mistake. No, no, you can't. There's there's no room for allowing anything. It's just like game two of the series against the Braves when Bryce Harper overran the base and made a terrible mistake and then got doubled off and they lost the game. Bryce Harper's a great player. We're still going to love Bryce Harper. We're still going to love Jalen Hurts. But that doesn't mean at that moment that both men made a dreadful mistake that caused their team to lose the game. All right, let's go to the situation. It is third and nine. Now, on this series, they had completed a really big third down pass, okay? So they had made a clutch conversion on a third down. At that situation at third and nine, I don't blame 
the Eagles for trying to convert the first down. There's a lot of people that say, well, they should have ran the ball there, just given up the ball and punted it. Listen, you have a high-powered offense with a lot of weapons. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that you think you should convert another first down because if you do that, the game is over. So I don't mind the call, which then puts it in the hands of the quarterback. You see, mistakes at the end of the game, I relate to uh, Campbell's condensed soup. The game is condensed to the point where a mistake in that situation is bigger in scope than any mistake that you're going to make earlier in the game when there's a turnover or when there's a DeAndre Swift fumble. All right. So at that moment, the game becomes condensed and you have to be smarter and you have to rely on your knowledge of the situation. So on that play, he goes back. There was a rush. He got a little pressure. He went backwards. He backpedaled on the throw. First of all, when you're backpedaling on the throw, that should be a cautionary tale to a quarterback that you're not going to get the necessary zip on the ball. He's looking for Goddard. Goddard, if you look at the play, is bracketed by two guys in his zone. Now, as a quarterback, you've got to see that, that the worst thing you can afford to do is throw off your back foot because you might not get the steam on the ball and throw it where there are two guys. You need to recognize where those two guys are. And an incomplete pass in that situation wins the game for the Eagles. Even if you throw it into the ground at Goddard because you have recognized the situation, that's not going to hurt you. And and at that point, you punt the ball, and the Jets with Zach Wilson aren't going to come down the frickin' field and beat you. Okay, so the play happens. Tony Adams intercepts it. They get to the eight. At that point, you got to analyze the game. Obviously, you got to let him score. Because they're going to milk the clock, and they're going to kick a field goal to win the game. All right? So I I don't blame the strategy, because then you're relying on your MVP caliber quarterback to save the game for you. So now this is two chances to save the game. Fails on the one, but you give him another chance. Now, when he threw the interception, he kind of got a hangdog look on his face on the bench. And I'm thinking, does he have the gumption and the enthusiasm here to take this team back down the field. They gained two yards. They gave, they they got the ball back with a minute and 46 left, which is plenty of time to get the ball down the field if you have that kind of an offense. They did not do that. So when people say, well, it happens. Yeah, I get it. In the NFL, it's hard to win. Sometimes you're going to lose a game that – you shouldn't lose. But in that situation, you've got the game won. You're up by two points. And if the quarterback does not make that mistake, you win the game. So, like, I, I'm, I'm confused by the, the reaction that, you know, what happens. And, and, I, and last night, I got into it with Seth and D-Gun about that very premise about it happens. Yeah, it, yeah, it happens, but when, when it's forced – by the one play that the quarterback makes and it shouldn't happen, then you got to be realistic about it. Jalen Hurts gave away that game last night. It doesn't mean I still don't like him. It doesn't mean that I don't think he's a really good player. It doesn't mean that I don't think that that, that he can lead them to, to great heights. It doesn't mean that I think the Philadelphia Eagles are now a crappy team. They are still one of the top two teams in the NFC East. Uh, but in that situation... That mistake caused them to lose the game. Now, we can get into other factors, and we will. 
but I want to bring producer Darren in. Darren, you you texted me a- after that play. You said that's the worst throw he's made in two years. It was. He stared his receiver down. He threw off his back foot. He got nothing on the ball. He should never even been throwing that ball. My problem with this team, okay, and look, they're going to be fine. It's a week six loss. It's not that big a deal in the grand. At 30, from 30,000 feet, they lost to an AFC team. One loss, okay? And, and it seemed like the whole league played like crap yesterday. I don't know if everybody was just in a, um, a cold, misty, you know, uh, gray skies mood like the weather was at most of these games. But the offensive coordinator has absolutely no feel for what is happening in front of him. You are built to run the ball. I I wanted you to hold. I wanted you to hold that thought. Okay, I want to get into that. We'll get back to that because that's the other things that we need to talk about. But but Hurts was off all day. I want to hear your analysis of Jalen Hurts in this game. I I thought he was off most of the day. Um, Early on, first of all, and and this is we're going to have to get into this later because he wasn't really put in a good position. It was a lot of chuck and duck throws, a lot of unimaginative routes. I don't know why they went that way today, particularly because Gardner was out. Both their top two cornerbacks were out, and he just seemed to just throw the ball up deep downfield. It was working in the first half when you had your entire offensive line. I know we'll get into this, too. The Lane Johnson injury changed things a lot for them. What didn't happen is the coordinator didn't adapt. The quarterback struggled uh, afterwards with – out some any type of underneath passes, um, and he's okay, been let's, captain let's, che- let's, check let's, down Charlie all year. He needed to do that, that in the second now. half. First of all, Hurts uh, played stand love football yesterday. Yeah, uh, he, I he, agree. The pressure got to him, and he bailed out quickly. Now you could look at it and go, okay, that's what he can't do. You got to stay in the pocket. You got to take a hit. You got to deliver. But I agree with you now on the assessment of how they called this game offensively. Yes, um, the Jets were without four cornerbacks. Okay. They were down to their fifth. So, uh, and they were 29th in the league against the run. Now, this is the thing I do, do not understand when you game plan for something. Um, th- there are two things here. Number one, they ran the ball six times in the first half. and They weren't very successful, which means that they bailed out. But when you have a team that runs the football like this, and when you, uh, after Lane Johnson goes out, then you got to curtail your game plan a little better, and you have to make a point to run the football. Secondly, the Jets were in a zone coverage. Now, uh, in a zone coverage, especially when you don't have Lane Johnson, you know you're going to get pressure there, there, there are two things that really should be open. One is, and I don't understand this, because yeah, they did get the ball to A.J. Brown, and he had another sensational game. He should have got 16 targets with a slant, that, which is an unstoppable play, especially when their zone is backed off and, and that area of the field for the tight end and for A.J. Brown should be open almost every play. Right. He needed quick especially, throws. Especially when, when you have uh, a right tackle who is, is uh, struggling. So I, I, th- this is what confuses me about, about game plans. Um, they turned Hurts into a Sandlot player. Because they they didn't really have anything that they wanted to rely on to attack. And to me, listen, I know the Jets have a good defense. I get it. You know, they're they're a good defensive team. Um, You should be able to score a point in the second half. Okay. Now, I I know the field goal kicker missed the field goal. That's ridiculous that you don't have a good enough game plan to move the ball down the field. In fact, early in the game, 
they moved the, down, the ball down the field with a 19 freaking play drive to score the first touchdown. So, so when you when you're taking inventory of what you're calling, and you have 74 offensive coaches, I don't understand how you can't adapt to what you're seeing. I, I I completely agree. It really baffled me to the point where I almost turned the game off because it was such an annoying game to watch. I don't look. He may have a good game plan. Um, coming into these games, and a lot of times they have looked better in the last couple of weeks early on. When you can't, like, he makes zero adjustments at the half. That was our problem with Gannon on the defensive side of the ball last year. Now, it wasn't that big a deal because they were usually up by 17, and it was just, you know, unleash the hounds for, for the defense. But this offense is a unimaginative, amazingly unimaginative, particularly because of all the weapons they have, the good weapons they have. By the way, Devontae Smith, a couple really bad drops yesterday. Might have moved some drops. I, I think you're probably right there. Yeah, well, his worst uh, but game there's probably just isn't like deep drops. When you're missing your right tackle, your all pro, all world right tackle, you know, the Jets still had their front seven, which is one of the best in football, and they were getting pressure on Hurts. Normally, you want him getting rid of that ball in under 3.2 seconds. Under. He had to get rid of that ball yesterday in under two and a half. There was no routes underneath, like you said. There could have been slants. Throw a little smoke. Give me the wheel route. I don't care. A, 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 a nice little drag pattern over the middle because everybody's in the backers, when they're in coverage, and the defensive backs, everybody was soft and back. There was nothing underneath, and that's all they were the first month of the season was check down Charlie, no routes past 25 yards. You know, so I don't understand how he's looking at his quarterback and dropping him back seven, eight yards deep, drops out a shotgun. He's running for his life, and, and Sandlot football is the perfect verbiage to use what he turned into yesterday. Yeah, and he made some great but he plays. shouldn't he have some to. great plays out of that. I, I, I agree, but uh, again... Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and there was a drop by Gainwell on the one play where he made an unbelievable scramble and throw it. Uh, all right, let's talk about the defense because the defense really saved their bacon yesterday and should have won the game for them. They, they had enough, the defense played well enough for them to, to win a game when their offense was not scoring a point in the second half. Uh, time and time again. In fact, the Jets were, they, they converted their only third downs. On the on the one drive that resulted in a 38 yard field goal, that that was it. They held them. So Reddick was playing like crazy. Josh Sweat had a great game. They they, they consistently stopped the Jets, uh, who uh, in the red zone, by the way, were were uh, 0 for three until the Eagles let them score that touchdown. So a, a big shout out to the defense. Early on, they kept uh, shuffling personnel in the defensive backfield. And, and there are a lot of holes there. They, I mean, you're using some guys that are uh, very inexperienced players. And that, you know, listen, I don't even want to think about what that's going to do to Miami's offensive attack next week. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, I'll, get, I'll give the defense credit for, for keeping them in the game. And the defense really comes out of that game with an L when they should have come out of that game with a W. Uh, and so, but it all comes down to me for the quarterback making a dreadful mistake because we can look at it and go, okay, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. Bada beep, bada bip. And, and, and it comes still comes down to a condensed part of the game where the quarterback 
only has to throw an incompletion to win that game. And instead, he gives them the one thing he couldn't give them. And then, unimaginatively, move the ball two yards down the field with a chance for him to carve out a legacy and a two-minute drill, which he really has never done in his, in his career. And, and they, they fart out of that game. Uh, it, it's, it's hard for me to believe that they lost that game. I'm still stunned by it. Uh, and the one thing that really rankles me about it is the reaction. Now, you know what? It's really hard to win in the NFL and you weren't going to go undefeated. Well, I knew they weren't going to go undefeated. I knew they were going to lose some games. They got a gauntlet of a schedule coming up. This is a game they should not have lost because that Jets team did nothing to earn that win. They settled for fit, couldn't get in the freaking end zone. Zach Wilson, well, he didn't play. What did he do? He didn't do anything for that team yesterday. They held Brees Hall down, rushing the football. They made the one big play. With How many them. Jeff I mean, fans yesterday they probably said, beat you. can't beat this team, trade field goals for touchdowns. What they did yesterday. Ridiculous. <laughs> he got hurt. Listen, Garrett Wilson's a great player who made some great plays in the game. Zach, Zach Wilson didn't do a thing in that game. All right? So don't, don't give me the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson, what did he do? He did nothing. And if you punt the football uh, after you throw an incompletion instead of an interception, do you actually think, that the Jets were going to get down the field. You run the ball. Yeah, that's football one-on-one I mean, there, Mike. On. You run the uh, ball right. there, punt the ball, and, and roll the dice against Zach Wilson. I Listen, I don't mind trying to get, get a first down. I mean, how many times has he made a great throw to get a first down? You're a team that went to the freaking Super Bowl yesterday. You're going to give in that way? Try to convert the third and nine. You just converted a third and seven. Yeah. Yep. You just can't throw the ball there. It comes down to not the decision that the coach has made to go for it there. It on came that down play to the particularly, you're lumping up right. in that situation. All, that all right. And the one play influenced the loss. Actually, two plays. The one he got the ball back. When the Eagles had enough faith in their quarterback to say score, because we're going to get the ball back and we got a two minute drill and we should be able to get the ball down the field. <laughs> he got two yards. I mean, seriously. And and he overthrew AJ Brown on the one yep. play to the point where yeah, AJ Brown barked at him. Awful. Come on, man! <laughs> like, all right. Oh, yeah. And, and so and don't get the impression that I'm down on Jalen Hurts now, because I still think he's a good quarterback. But I boil down games to moments, and no matter how great the player is, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. You make a mistake that costs somebody the game. You don't have immunity from being called out for a mistake. Just like Bryce Harper didn't have immunity from me anyway when he overran the base. It's a stupid play. Uh, like Trey Turner not blocking a relay throw. It's it's a stupid play, and, and, and it, it needs to be called out by people who are analyzing the game. We can't all be Pollyanna and say, oh, that's all right. Go get it, boys. All right. Anything else? Any other thoughts you have on this game? By the way, that was the first load, uh, road loss for Jalen Hurts in his career. Yeah, first time Jets are beating Eagles first time the Jets ever, beaten which Eagles. Uh, I know they don't play that much in the regular season, but that's still pretty daunting uh, to hear. I just, you know, uh, we haven't gotten any reports on Lane, Lane Johnson's ankle. It looks like it's an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain. It's a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for several weeks, yeah. what, I've been, what I've been told. And, and uh, certainly they're going to side on, on the uh, uh, side of caution, oh. here, which means 
that Driscoll becomes your right tackle, which means yeah. you're really going to have to pay attention to helping him out. You see a lot of Jack Stoll. Uh, which means they're going to have to have tight end help. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you, you definitely will see that. Uh, all right. Uh, any other highlights yeah. in this game that we have to look at? A lot of guys are banged up now. All right. Now they're going to get Slay back. They're going to get Jalen Carter back. I get it. Blankenship's got a rib situation now after that blind side hit, which which I, I no. got to be honest with you, I didn't think that that was a bad play. I thought it was a legit. I thought it was a legitimate block. I thought Blankenship had turned his head around enough to to get wiped out on that play, but they called the penalty in the Eagles' favor for that. So, uh, and I'll say one thing about yes, the Jets: that Quincy Williams was all over the field. Not Quinnen, his brother, but Quincy, the linebacker, really had a great game for them. Uh, and, and so did uh, Hassan Reddick, and it's a shame. Um, Keely Ringo ran into the the. the receiver I know on a punt come on man <laughs> you know the little things that stick out here uh but the Eagles uh, are listen here's the here's the problem <laughs> they're gonna play Miami sure next is. week a lot of speed that's gonna be a tough challenge for them uh the commanders played them tough the first time um and then the gauntlet happens and if you look at that schedule they have you know, six a cluster of six games where they could lo- very possibly lose three of them. So uh, th- that's the trouble with losing a game like this because you can't afford to lose a game to that stink team when you have the goal. It is funny we, before the schedule. season, before and obviously the Rogers injury, injury. You and I both said this was probably going to be their first loss of the season. It's just the, the spot it was in. Uh, look ahead game possibly Miami. I don't know if those things come into factor anymore, but uh, certainly we. Once Rodgers went down, we went, eh, all right, they'll be 6-0. and It's just a bad loss. It's a stupid loss. It was an annoying game to watch. It was an ugly game to watch. Before, you know, when you and I talked about, uh, when we previewed the game, we both, I know I did, and I think you agree with me, I it, it knew it was going to be an ugly game. Uh, a lot of defense, but, you know, to me, just the biggest problem with this team is the inability for, of the offensive coordinator to make any type of adjustments, it's it's a chat. It's going to only get more difficult for him down the road as the talent level of these teams rise. I need a j- halftime adjustments, and I just need him to get a better feel for the game. He doesn't seem to have any type of feel during the game, so that's all I got on that. All right, they lose 20 to 14, first loss of the year. So let's go around the NFL. My five thoughts. I actually only have four thoughts because it was a stink weekend in the NFL. But there were a couple of moments that really stand out. So let's talk about the other undefeated team that is no longer undefeated the San Francisco 49ers, who shockingly uh, lose to the Browns. Now, I didn't think that was much of a shock because if uh, you recall, last on our last podcast, I thought that was a really good play to play Cleveland against the 49ers coming off that monster win over the Cowboys. There's always a letdown. There's always a sense that you're going in, you're a better team than Cleveland, and you're not going to play to the hilt. Uh, but then there was a quarterback situation, and P.J. Walker became the starter. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, can they really stay close to P.J. Walker? Well, they won the game. And uh, you know the 49ers lost control of that game in the end. But the one thing that I saw with the 49ers is, against a good defense, that quarterback didn't look very good. And he didn't look very good when he didn't have his reliable weapons around him. When McCaffrey went out of the game, when Debo Samuel went out of the game, 
he really wasn't capable of making many plays. So if there's ever an example that Brock Purdy might be a product of that system and the system being stocked with talent, I think that that was an indication yesterday is the Cleveland Browns shockingly beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, yesterday earlier in the day. And so both undefeateds are now out. Your thoughts My on that My thoughts game? are that they are a completely different team without McCaffrey because Shanahan is a pretty good play designer. He uses a lot of uh, pre-snap movement uh, to get the matchups that he wants, but that's mostly because the running back has to be accounted for. He's one of the few running backs in the league that has to be accounted for in every play. And without that, um, that just that extra element of surprise that he um, throws at you a couple times a game really uh, isn't there anymore. So they're a much more pedestrian team with McCaffrey. And, you know, speaking of quarterbacks who didn't have it yesterday, Brock Purdy couldn't lead the, the 49ers down to get a field goal at the end of that game. So. No, yeah. and uh, they they did uh, have a chance to win it with Jake Moody missing a forty-one. You know, it, 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 it you know how I feel about kickers. Uh, it, it makes me sick when I see something like that because you know the football team fights like hell, and that little jerk has to come Why out and blow it for them. And, and I just I just <laughs> put myself in. in no, seriously, I, I put myself in the mind of a football player. You're sweating your balls off banging into people all game long and, th- and this little nitwit comes out and has one job and pushes a 41 yarder now if, it, if it's 50 plus all right uh, but for come on 41 is essentially an extra point anymore creep. So. all right yeah exactly all right let's move on to the uh the game that was last night the giants <laughs> oh my god uh, so at the end of the year, the Tyrod Taylor, I thought actually would give him a chance. I, I took the Giants yesterday with the points. I thought that they would stay close. Tyrod Taylor gives him a different look, and the Bills are just, you know, I, I can't figure that team out. The, the quarterback's all over the place. So uh, at the end of the first half, they don't, <laughs> they, they don't get in the end zone and they run out the clock. They don't get three points, and they don't get a chance to score the touchdown because the clock runs out on them. Uh, and I'm going, this is a pro team. There are a hundred coaches on the sidelines and they, and they can't get organized enough to get points at the end of the half. I mean, that's the team. It's like, it's a joke. All right. So now we move forward to the end of the game where they have another chance to win. And the first thing I'm thinking about is they're at the one yard line because they get pass interference because they're like a one play, one on time play. And, and, and the pass probably was another interference, but they weren't going to call two straight. But I'm at the, they're at the one, and I'm going. Uh, is is it that hard to tush push? <laughs> like the league has created, and the Eagles have created a template there. Now may, maybe the coaches are thinking, all right, Tyrod Taylor's a little slight. Maybe he can't pull it off. I, I just don't understand why you got to make it that difficult at the one yard line, and and uh, why that tush push can't work for other teams if you practice it. And I know that Tyrod Taylor is not Jalen Hurts, but I'm shocked in that condensed space that trying to complete a pass is a better play than just trying to jam it down their throats. All right. So there, there are two that, that are taken away. Uh, let's move on to uh, my third thought in the NFL. As I, I look at the NFL results uh, for the weekend, uh, there weren't many games that got my attention, 
but the Dolphins are just ridiculous. And um, uh, so this is a two-part analysis. They score 42 points yesterday, and they beat the the woeful Panthers, who actually had the lead early in that game. And the only thing I can think of is that, and I've been saying this for since the draft, since the analyzing the draft, why would you take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud? I just don't get it for the Panthers. But in any event, Tua Tagovailoa is playing out of his mind right now, reading the field. And uh, I didn't see it coming, I'll be honest with you. I thought that he had lost his confidence in this league. But he has rallied to come back to be a premier quarterback in this league. And after the game, you had a little Bama hugging with, uh, with Tua engaged in a, a really deep conversation with Bryce. Hey, uh, yeah, we're Crimson Tide and we stick together and uh, uh, you don't, let, don't let this get you down. And, and meanwhile, he's probably thinking, nah, this kid doesn't have it. So <laughs> anyway, your, your thoughts your thoughts on the Tag Dolphins. Tag is the runaway MVP favorite for me right now. That offense is so fast. And, and, and that's what we'll talk about a lot. I guess we'll do our preview on Friday. Uh, the speed of the Miami Dolphins is unmatched in the NFL, overall speed. Um, so that's going to be a real challenge. Slay better be back, and they better get to Tua uh, quickly because that offense, the, the, the Dolphins can be had. They are a beatable team, but that offense might be, uh, I think they have the most speed in the game right now, and they might be the most difficult to game plan for. So, but yeah, two runaway favorite. Yeah, all right. I, I just want to check now. Do we have uh, Do we have a line right on the game next Let week? Me, uh, have you seen here. a line? As you live research in person here on the Mike Missinelli podcast. <laughs> all about. That's what the podcast is all about. A little live research. Uh, I see Philly minus two uh, and a half. This, of course. Uh, two and a half. At home. Eagles are favored minus two and a half. All right. All right. That's that's a scared line. They're like, they're, you know, they're saying that's oh, a home game, but we'll go. We'll reduce it down from the what we usually give the home team. So uh, maybe it is. a dog I would not line. touch That'd that game if I was a gambler. Just enjoy it. To be honest with you. Yeah. So. Um, all right. So let's move on now. Then my fourth thought, and I'm going to give you the fifth one. My fourth thought, uh, Detroit Lions who I thought would uh, would actually lose to Tampa Bay yesterday. Uh, and they dominated them. And so all of a sudden, the Lions now, uh, I got to ask you now, are the Lions in the echelon of the power teams in the I, NFC? I don't know. I don't think Eagles so yet. What, they went 20 to 6? By the way, that's the second time this year you've overvalued the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got a little make Baker Mayfield love. Okay. I undervalued the Lions, and I I thought that line was, find, was pointing was that? me was towards Tampa to Bay. Six? It was I mean, short. It's not like, yeah, I mean, and I think Tampa might even have six. led early in that game. I'm six. not sure, but no, I don't think so yet. The Lions are good, and they're going to be in the playoffs, and they've got the whole year still, or three quarters of the year still, to tighten up what I think are a lot of loose ends. Um, and I'm, I mean, Goff is playing better than he's ever played in his career. I'll give him that. Um, but I, no, I don't put him in the Eagles and, and the Niners or maybe even Dallas just yet, but they're right there. They're close. They're not far. Okay. All right. Uh, I have no other thoughts on the NFL because every result to me was boring 
uh, yesterday. Uh, do you have a fifth thought? I'll give you a fifth thought, and it, it's it pertains to what you know, kind of what we're talking about throughout all these games. The league stinks. This is a boring league. I mean, every week the card is like average to below average. There's 32 teams in the NFL. I count at least 13, if not 14, that are completely irrelevant to the postseason. I mean, that's over 43% of the teams in the National Football League that are just dreadful to really bad. And I did not put the Jets in that 14, by the way, because their defense is really good. And if they do get a quarterback somehow, whether Rodgers comes back healthy next year or whatever, they're going to be a tough team to beat. But there's, there's, I mean, that should not happen. And I know the league wants parity. It's just not parity. This is top heavy. And the bottom isn't even like, doesn't even float. Like it's, it's awful. Like there are so many bad teams, Mike. The quarterback play is so bad. Offensive line play is so bad. Running backs are so bad. Defense at times for a dozen teams in this league looks like I'm watching a Pac-12 game. I know. And it's upsetting. And now I think to myself, why in the world would I've been thinking about this a lot? Why would the NFL get in bed with gambling? Why? They had to see this. They had to see that the league is getting top heavy and that's where it's trending and everything's cyclical and it'll come back and some bad teams will get better. And some of the really good teams now will dip down again. But I mean, that. I mean, you can't you can't right. ignore you can't ignore trends. I mean, betting is, I get is it. the thing. Now. So, like you know, you can't you can't you can't be stuffy. You know, it's like all those years when uh, all of us at the Inquirer started doing Sports Talk Radio, and the Inquirer started thinking it was too haughty for Sports Talk Radio and started punishing us for yeah. going on, and they didn't recognize the trend. Well, let's Don't be, be honest. Do you ever think in your lifetime you'd see the NFL <laughs> well, you in got, bed with you gambling? Got, you got to recognize the trend. Did you ever think in your lifetime before uh, before it happened that you would see the NFL in bed with gambling? I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, the gambling's become like, come on, look at all the companies that popped well, up. And there you go. But the league is just so top heavy; yeah. it's terrible. Yeah, you gotta you gotta adapt, adapt or, adapt adapt or, or die. die. It's the Mike Yusinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, folks, it is time for our Phil's Diamondbacks preview. The series starts tonight uh, at Citizens Bank Park. It's an 8.05 start. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you right up front that this series to me is anticlimactic. Um, the, the real series was the Phillies and the Braves, and I looked at that as the National League Championship Series, which means I don't think the Phillies will be pressed in this series at all. And I know there are people out there that go, never underestimate them. I, I, I just can't imagine the Diamondbacks can hang with the Phillies in a seven-game series. And there's one main reason. There's actually two main reasons. Their two best pitchers are going to have to try to beat the Phillies in, in Philadelphia against Wheeler and Nola. Now, they're capable of winning a game, but then where do they go with three and four? I think the Phillies, like uh, with Ranger Suarez – with playoff experience as as the third starter on the road gives the Phillies a decided edge uh, against anybody the Diamondbacks can put in there, and especially the, the fourth starter. If they go with Sanchez over Walker, I don't know where they're going to go. Or maybe they use both of them, but they got more quality innings coming out of the fourth slot than the Diamondbacks would have. Okay, so the Diamondbacks, we know what they are. They're a spunky team. They're fast. They steal bases. They use sacrifice bunts. They do situational hitting. 
They stole 166 bases this year. Corbin Carroll, who is a wonderkin to me, I, this kid, a little guy who hits home runs and is uh, the fastest guy in the league. Uh, 54 stolen bases. Arizona um, was first in the league with 21 runs above average created by base running events. Now, this is like an ultimate analytical statistic, but base running events uh, are steals and attempts and pass balls and wild pitches and defensive indifference. So they they take extra bases on you, which puts pl- runners in a better scoring position than they normally would, right? So that's the key to them scoring runners. Uh, in addition to this, I know we all love JT Romuto, and uh, the notion that he's deadly to run on has not been the case this year. Romuto has only thrown out 22% of base stealers. So you can rest assured that this team is trying to try to run the bases on the Phillies. Now, they haven't done it so far in the playoffs. They've actually relied on power in the playoffs. But uh, uh, Nola has made adjustments to keep runners close. He's using a a slide step now. So that negates some of it. Um, But, you know, I I just don't see uh, where the Diamondbacks have enough strength. And I think they're going to hit this wall now. They've been playing with house money. They've been playing – with, with no, nothing to lose, but they're, they're now going to start this series in a cauldron. All right. And I think the reality is going to slap them in the face that they're not in Kansas anymore. Like this is, this is serious baseball now against the Phillies. And that lineup is tough to negotiate that the Phillies are going to face uh, have them. Now Zach Gallen gets the start. I know he's got the local ties. I get it. Um, the roster, uh, the Phillies payroll is uh, what the, uh, million. The Diamondbacks have a $121 million roster. Uh, Corbin Carroll, let me, I love this kid. All right. So he's seven for 17 in the playoffs with two home runs, two steals. Uh, But um, he's not good against lefties. All right. So again, they're facing two righties. His, His OPS is 922 against righties. He'll be effective against Nola and Wheeler, most likely. But then if you throw two lefties at him, which you might get with Sanchez and certainly Ranger Suarez in Arizona, uh, maybe that knocks it down a peg. Their starter for game three, Arizona, is going to be a guy named Ryan Nelson, who's going to tote a 5.34 ERA in there. And there, to me, lies uh, the the advantage for, for the Eagles, I mean, for the Phillies. The three and four games. So I think at best, Arizona wins a game here. The Phillies go to Arizona and win dose. And then come back and win game five at Citizens Bank Park. That's the way I think the series is going to play out. Your thoughts, Barry? I'm pretty sure it's 2-3-2. Two, two. Yeah, I, oh, is it two, I, three, I remember two? not liking that. All right, well, maybe, maybe it's okay. six. That's right. That's where I got them too. Phillies maybe six. they win. Maybe they have to win in six. The Phillies win the first two. Arizona takes Game Five. They come back here and they win Game Six. Yeah, that's exactly what I have them. Uh, Phillies in six as well. I mean, they do have good pitchers. Gallon may steal one uh, here or there. Um, they did not hit him when they faced him here at Citizens Bank Park uh, well at all. However. He, in that game, I specifically remember, was not throwing a lot of strikes. Um, they swung at a lot of balls outside the strike zone. I don't know if they were trying to be aggressive. That's what you want to do with him. You want to be aggressive on Gallon. You want to go after him early in the count. Um, so maybe that was just their game plan regardless. But, I, you know, I kept screaming, take some pitches, let this kid you know, I, damn, wear I, this kid down a bit. 
He's a good pitcher. Uh, he pitches the spots. He has good command. No doubt. There's a lot of pressure on him in Philly. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has, he's got all this family thing, and he's got to get all these tickets. He had to buy all these tickets. I, that's 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 the worst possible thing for a pitcher who's got to focus on the playoff. That you gotta you gotta think about that other stuff. And uh, he said he hasn't met with his family, and he won't do it until after the game, which is all well and good. But he still had to get. get I would th- I would, were, I would feel a lot better if he embraced coming back and be and being like, man, I can't wait to be in front of all my friends and my family. Like some guys might it might boot you know boost them up, but it doesn't sound like it's doing it with him. Yeah. I don't see it. I, when you got when you got to focus against a lineup like that, you're distracted by anything, especially the crowd. Like, he doesn't even he can't. He, he said, yeah, "I assume it's going to be like an Eagles Dallas game." I've been to an Eagles Dallas game. No, it's not. It's 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 a lot more condensed, and uh, and they're going to see something that I've never seen. Now they've tried to believe it or not, pipe in noise in their practice sessions in Arizona. But uh, that's they're never going to simulate it. All right. That's the end of the Phil's Diamondbacks preview. It is time for Mike Unleashed. Mike Unleashed today is just going to deal with one subject. I sparred with Braves fans all weekend on Twitter because I have observed the Philadelphia scene, sports scene as a kid growing up here, but also as someone who has covered it for more than 30 years. And I can tell you that we take our sports seriously here. And we are not a Pollyanna fan base. And the one thing that rankles me is when there is a Pollyanna fan base that says, oh, it's okay, boys, go get them next year. And this is what I saw from the Braves fans. As I watched that Braves series, as much as I wanted the Phillies to win the game, I felt bad for the Atlanta Braves fans that their team was so limp in that series that was such a heartless team. They, they couldn't seize the moment. They had a terrible offensive approach. They had feeble swings. They got squeezed by the crowd. And it was everything that I look at. And it was my team. I'd be embarrassed that they responded like that, especially when there was all this hype about the Braves being this best offensive team in the history of the game with 307 home runs and a lineup that just destroys pitching, and they came in with all that hype and they freaking folded. Now, if that was my team, and you can go back in history with Philadelphia teams that were supposed to win, that were the better team, and chumped up and lumped up in a series where they were, or a game that they were supposed to win, I go back to 2011 when they lost to the Cardinals in an ultimate lump job. Were there people rocking Phillies jerseys the next day, walking around town saying, oh, well, don't worry about it. We're proud of your effort, boys. Or when they lost to the Arizona the Eagles, lost to the Arizona Cardinals, or the Carolina Panthers, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Were you wearing your Eagles hat going, don't worry about it, boys. Go get them. Well, I'm observing on social media, people wearing brave jerseys. Thank you for a great season. It was wonderful. After your team freaking choked, where your best player didn't have the gumption to stand up and face the music after the series. Instead, he raced out of the clubhouse and said, no habla. That is cowardice. And I would be embarrassed if it was my team. It illustrates... The difference between the fan bases in the Northeast Corridor in this country and a fan base like the Atlanta Braves, who are twice, two years in a row with the better team, 
choked away a chance to get to the World Series, and you're still wearing Braves jerseys that 20, not even 12 hours later, taking pictures of yourself with Braves jerseys saying, I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of your effort. I, I find that like hard to believe, and maybe because I'm a little more hard scrabble because I grew up here, and I know how disappointment resonates with fans when you have expectations and when your team lets you down. Now, am I out of bounds with this commentary, Darren? Absolutely not. You're not out of bounds. Fans should demand these types of things. That's why you have owners in town, well, some of them, three out of four, I guess, um, that want to win because they want their legacy. They want their fans to cherish them. That's what we demand in this town because guess what? When the team doesn't put into it an effort in, we don't go. Look at the Flyers. The Flyers... My God, when we worked at the radio station together back all those years, we used to call Flyers fans the Stepford fans because they could do no wrong, no matter what, as long as they were playing hard and playing, you know, not even if they were winning Stanley Cups, playing hard. They, that damn arena was sold out every night. And that's the way it is in this town. Here's what Atlanta fans, here's what Atlanta fans do not understand, that when you're complacent about disappointment, there is no need to change disappointment. If, if there is public heat on you not doing the right things, then they're, they're going to respond to that. Now, the, the Atlanta Braves general manager goes, oh, you know what, the fans, are, they, they're not that wounded by this, so I guess we're okay. You know, but, And they, that doesn't compel them to change the climate or the culture of that team. That team is missing something, okay? And I don't know what columnists are doing down there after this. I If I'm a columnist in Philadelphia, I know what they'd be doing here. They'd be ripped. They'd be ripping the team. They'd be ripping the whole thing. I don't know what sports talk radio is like in Atlanta after that loss, but I know what it would be here if the Phillies did that two years in a row when they were supposed to beat the Braves. I know exactly what would happen. So uh, complacency with a fan base, and, and I'm going back and forth with these people, and they just don't seem to get it that when you're a dissatisfied fan base, that compels improvement. This jackal who was the hit, hit, this guy was getting on me back going back and forth with me. And I'm like, who is this guy? This jackal is the triple a public address announcer for the Gwinnett Braves going, going back and forth with me like some fanboy. And I'm going, what the hell do you people do not understand? Real fans react with passion and disappointment. And this idiot from the Gwinnett freaking Braves is coming at me. The Gwinnett Mercy uh, Rec League has more passion than the Gwinnett Braves. (laughs) All right. Just had to get off that my chest. Here's what I advise you people to do. All right. Take the L. Your team let you down. Get mad about that. Don't be complacent. Get mad about it because the matter you get, that makes you a truer fan because a truer fan then can influence a result by saying, you know, my fan base is not satisfied with the way we're doing things down here. we got to change it. And then maybe when you play the Phillies next year, you won't choke like you did in this series and the series before. You won't wilt when a crowd goes crazy and you're trying to win a road game. All right, that'll do it for Mike Unleashed today. That'll do it for the podcast. 
Uh, thanks to the people for Bet Ri- from Bet Rivers for the great sponsorship of the Mike Missinelli podcast. Thank you li- for listening. Don't forget to subscribe or tell your friends to subscribe. It'll come right to your inbox We're on a regular basis. We're going to be doing a podcast after every Phillies game. And so tonight's game, we will have a podcast for you, a reactionary podcast. Stay tuned for that. You can get me if you're a Braves fan out there watching the podcast. You want to have a little dialogue with me email-wise. I love emails. I respond to every one of them. My email address is mike at mikemiss.com, and you can check me out on Twitter at mikemiss25. Everybody have a great rest of the day. This is the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.